Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast. I was getting confused there. Which podcast is this? It's the unofficial 40. Uh, not the Eskridge Lexus post game show. We already did that, and uh, Josh actually joined us on that, uh, and uh, appreciate that, Josh. And uh, I tell you what, uh, the entire gang is back here today, and because of that, Josh, and because we kind of cut recru- recruiting short last week, uh, I know we have a lot to talk about with the football team. Iowa State coming up this weekend, uh, and uh, I know everybody wants a fire hat that was released uh, on uh, social media last night. By the way. Uh, you guys have been asking forever. The Sooner Scoop and Unofficial 40 merch is on its way. Um, so um, I don't want to make any promises because then everybody's going to hold it to me, but it's soon. It's going to be coming soon. So um, keep an eye out for that. Uh, welcome in. Welcome in, everybody. Josh, uh, you know, I know you. Uh, Bob doesn't always get as much time as he wants with you at the end of pods because he's got to break <laughs> off and get to Zooms, which we've got going on. Uh, lots of stuff going on. I mean, uh, playoff action coming up, uh, getting you guys uh, um, all the passes and stuff, been uh, dealing with that. Uh, so Josh is going to be coming to town to see some playoff action uh, and see, I believe, see some guys that you haven't even had a chance to see in person yet, right? Yeah, finally get to see Jaden Rowe. I mean, when Eddie and I went up there in the spring, it, he just happened to be out. It, it was just kind of that deal. He And, you know, Eddie and I both kind of, you know, you start to watch a guy. You're like, well, what's wrong with him? Couldn't tell what it was. I think it was a shoulder at that point, if I remember correctly. Um, but coming off a three touchdown, he had four touches last week and had three touchdowns. So hopefully we can get a little more of that this week uh, as they take on Broken Arrow, where obviously I could see Robert Spears Jennings, who – was uh, one of the guys I saw in the first week of the season. So get to see him play some DB that I haven't seen before. So it, it's it's a really it's a it worked out about as well as it could have for an Oklahoma playoff matchup for me. Yeah, for you it did. For everybody <laughs> else it didn't. Yeah, it's that, you I mean sensitive <laughs> bastard. With all the we upsets, Booker T out, City versus Choctaw headed circled. All right, second round, we're here. No, it, it'll be all right. I think we're going to go see Jacoby Johnson and Mustang take on Jinx, so it should be a pretty good game. You saw him early in the year. Do you think Stillwater over Booker T is that big of an upset? That doesn't feel like a no. No, Booker I T don't. had problems I at don't. quarterback that they they just weren't. I mean that Bixby they could match Bixby in a lot of places, but at quarterback they weren't getting the same efficiency. It sounds like little Gundy's doing a pretty good job up there. Hmm. Uh, that that is a coaching staff that, he, that doesn't he could get be its better credit. Better than Gunner is, uh, maybe or was, so. Excuse me. 
Yeah, yeah. The Tucker Bernard, they, they do a hell of a good job at Stillwater. That, that, that doesn't get enough credit. I think they've been around long enough now. Everybody kind of forgets that there was a time when Stillwater was just okay for a really long time. Sure. I remember we played Stillwater in, uh, when I, back when I was in high school. You remember, uh, Russell Borison that ended up in mm-hmm. Kansas, I believe? Yeah. Yeah. Good player. No, they had, a, uh, Josh doesn't remember him, Eddie. <laughs> just saying that. Oh no, I, I I do. God, that is that is <laughs> yeah, sure. That, this is a hate crime. This is a hate crime. <laughs> Call the old man out. I believe is what that's called. Uh, that'll be nice when Gunnar Gundy finally takes over for the uh, two-time defending uh, Big Twelve champion Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oh wow! There we go. There we go. And, and it's going to be even awkward because who's he going to be playing against? Lincoln Riley will be in his fifth year at LSU. <laughs> well, it'd be like third. Yeah, I and guess the so. podcast is officially well, off. Yeah. Oh God, we'll get to that. Now my phone is blowing up. What did you do? Uh, so by the somebody way, heard you. It was nice of uh, of uh, our our guy up in the skies to let us know that he was bringing. Uh, he has renamed his Shih Tzu Lincoln Riley, so he can say that Lincoln Riley is flying <laughs> uh, back and forth from Baton Rouge. I love sassy. Sassy uh, had an accident during the game, the Baylor game. She was so unhappy. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that or not. No, I didn't. Yeah, she uh, took, took had a little accident on the couch. wasn't liking what she was seeing, which we sure could all she understand. Was the only one that had yeah. an accident on the couch during the uh, Baylor <laughs> debacle. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, Bob, I I'll just let you kind of take over here because I know there's lots of recruiting stuff you probably want to hit up Josh for. It's crazy. We're 28 days away already from the early signing period. So, I mean, it felt like November would be a month of waiting. It's sort of what it's been. Let's offensive line. Let, let's start there. What Texas did last weekend, will it help OU here in the next month? Uh, okay. So, for those that don't know, uh, Devon Campbell, uh, DJ Campbell kind of goes by either. Uh, Cam Dewberry, I mean, a couple of Oklahoma's absolute premier offensive line targets were there uh, last weekend and uh, were, were on hand to watch, you know, one of Texas's more embarrassing losses in decades. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. So I'm usually, and people in this that listen to the pod and have for a long time, no, I, I'm not a big fan of one game swinging things but this isn't one game this is this feels like something is systemically wrong at texas like i mean you've got dennis dodd already saying sarkeesian's getting fired sooner or later now we get into how stupid that is because it's kind of inevitable that that will be true but barry's gonna write about the sun rising in the east exactly like i but i mean i at the same time, for you to say it now, like, says something. Lincoln and Riley I, I, has a problem running the football. <laughs> there will become a time again when Lincoln Riley goes away from the run. Like, I, like I, I'm sorry, I, I go on a tangent here, but, like, we all saw that. We talked about it on the, the post-game podcast, on the Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast. Like, it's an issue. It's been an issue. for, And then to sit there and see Joey Galloway last night going on and on like he's some kind of football genius... Like, Lincoln Riley has a problem running. The, no, no shit, JoJo. No shit, okay? We know this. You and your brilliant mind. All right, back to recruiting. You you tried to give Bob and I your moment, and then you just took it away. I mean, that's just, you know, 
whatever. No trigger. But me. no, uh, the, <laughs> the those guys were there, and I, I there's part of me that thinks it does have a role. I really I haven't bought into Texas being a serious contender with Cam Dewberry. Um, I think it's OU or A&M for him. Uh, Ohio State was a longtime leader, or I guess one of the leaders, but that feels like that's kind of passed as well. Um, you know, some guys I talked to, they, they think OU leads. I, I don't know that I'm that far down the road, but I mean, he, it, I think if he played in Dallas, I would have probably already put in a forecast for Oklahoma. Houston and A and M right now. There's a there's a real connection there, and it, it's it's going to be interesting to see if OU can overcome that. Uh, on the flip side, you have Devon Campbell, who is um, from the Dallas area, a guy to Arlington Bowie. Um, I I didn't give OU a huge chance. Everybody's had him pegged to Texas for a long time, but with all that's going on, and you know, I know he's got some people around him that maybe I wouldn't say are pro OU. I, I Board readers and members kind of know what I'm talking about. There are some things that we've discussed and scoops and those kind of things where there are some around him that are just have some issues with Oklahoma, um, you know, right or wrong, however you want to look at it. So I think there's a lot to overcome there, but boy, Texas has given OU a chance here. I mean, they're, they're giving them all the ammunition they could need. And I think Alabama's involved there too. Um, there's some talk he might take an official to Georgia. Uh, in, in late December, kind of right before the signing period, which is that that's always scary. I mean, we're talking about Kirby Smart and Georgia and all that that entails. Like there is plenty there that frightens you. But I mean, Oklahoma has as good a chance as any with either player. So, I mean, I don't know how much more you can do for two guys that everybody thought was headed elsewhere six months ago. OU's made a good run here. Now they've got to finish. And then, if, you know, I guess just to kind of wrap up offensive line, you've got Malik Agbo from uh, the Seattle area who everybody I talk to thinks OU leads there. And that is a guy that some people don't love his tape. He needs some work. But as a sophomore, I think that's really a lot of what Oklahoma has latched on to, some of his sophomore tape being very, very good and maybe being one of those guys that, COVID happened, didn't quite stay in the shape he needed to, and, you know, really needs to get into a, a strength and conditioning program. But there's some belief that maybe his upside is a lot higher than people realize. I've got a couple more. First one, we're going to bang the table about OK preps and the possibility at all of Bixby's Braylon Presley, Heritage Hall, Gavin Freeman, or uh, Choctaw's Deshaun Brown. 28 days from now, are any of those three signing with the Sooners? I think you'll see Deshaun Brown. That That's just my gut. And I I think you have to give the kid a lot of credit because we've seen guys in the past that at this point got mad at OU and started saying things publicly. Even some, I can remember being on some local TV stations, kind of firing some shots at OU because they didn't feel like they were getting the attention they deserved. Deshaun Brown's done none of that. He, I'm, and in my opinion, has more reason to feel like he should be an offer than almost any kid that we're talking about here. Um, you know, any of those guys that have taken some pot shots. Sean Brown had a massive senior year. He's at a position where you frankly just can't have enough good players. And I think Deshaun Brown has shown so much growth from his junior and senior year. I kind of can't help but wonder where he goes from here. I mean, I, I feel like he still has so much room to improve because he was 
people don't realize spring of his uh, junior year, I guess going into his junior season, was the first time I ever saw him. He was a linebacker for Choctaw. Like he was going to play inside linebacker for them. And they kind of kind of thought, oh, yeah, he's promising. We kind of like him. And then I see him again in the fall, and he's just wrecking shop as a defensive end. And then we all saw him this spring, and he's put on 30. I mean, like it was like 20 pounds. He'd grown an inch. Like He just looked like a different cat altogether. So, uh, and we I, saw him at OU's camp in the summer, and he was insane. Yeah. And he came and he worked out. Um, you know, that, that's something that I, I think OU puts a lot of stock in. We'll get into that a little bit more. Some other D line recruiting talk. Um, but yeah, th- there is, um, there, there's a lot of respect for that, that he came and worked like he did. So I, I think there's a chance. I think there's absolutely a possibility that he is, um, w- you know, a part of this class. Freeman, Presley, Freeman, I, I just, I'm not hearing any momentum in that direction. Like, I, I wouldn't have any problem with it. I think he's a darn good player. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys. We've talked about it in our group message. I feel like guys like ourselves like Gavin Freeman maybe more than coaches do sometimes. And you know, the, it always gets lumped together. But I, you know, I think I've got him at like 12 in the state, and I've got to update my rankings, and he'll probably move up. Like he's he's very good. Uh, Braylon Presley. Uh, I had a chance to see him just a uh, you know a couple of weeks ago. He's he's awesome. He's outstanding. He's a great player that's going to be a a weapon for Oklahoma State. I think he's a little more um, probably a little more diverse than his brother was, who's kind of purely a slot receiver. I think Braylon can play some running back. I, guys, he is what we've talked about. Relique Brown as. I mean, he can play some receiver. He can play some running back. He's going to help you in the return game. He can do a little bit of everything. My problem is OU has Relique Brown. I don't know that you need two guys like that, especially in the same class where you've got such overlap. Um, and as much as I like Braylon, Relique's a better player. He just he just is. There, there's no there's no contest to that in my opinion. Um, and he's faced better competition. You know you know what you've got. And I again I hate sound like I'm down on Braylon because he's outstanding. It's just Relique Brown's you know a top twenty guy in the country. So I, I, I think a long, you know, obviously very long answer, but Deshaun Brown is the guy I would bet on. And then I would probably say next is Presley and then Freeman. I, there, I mean, there is some interest in Presley. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's a possibility. I just don't think they're going to get to that place when it comes to numbers. And then we'll close it out this, this weekend, 11 a.m. Not sure how the visitors list stacks up, but we do know what. And it's the first junior college offer. So where are things starting to trend in that direction? Yeah, you know, I I kind of touched on it earlier with with the D line recruiting. I know a lot of people said, "Oh, the, you know, that must mean bad things for Hero Canoe, the big uh, Southern California defensive lineman, the guy that's actually a, a German national." Um, he is. Uh, I guess that's not the feeling I'm getting. Uh, I, I actually. Literally right before we started the pod here, uh, I put up uh, this week's Oklahoma. I, I talked to a source in Georgia that feels pretty good about OU's chances with Hero Canoe. I thought that was really it was a it was a curveball. I didn't get the answer I was expecting and kind of followed up. So anybody interested in that, go sign up. Be be a, be a scooper. Join uh, join up, and you you can read all about that. That was uh, an interesting conversation. Um, but yeah, I, I think it has more to do with. You know, we know, we've known guys for a while that OU was throwing around the idea of if they can get Hero Canoe, they would also take Chris McClellan. 
I don't think that's ever been set in stone, but it's an idea they were messing around with. Because, like I said earlier, you just can't have enough big, long, athletic defensive linemen. I wonder if Jeffrey Emba is a reaction to some of the cooling on Chris McClellan. And I still don't think the McClellan story is completely dead, but I, I think this is a sign that maybe Oklahoma is exploring other options. Um, so with, with, with Jeffrey, I, I've talked to him some. He's, you know, very outgoing guy, uh, guy that came over to the States his senior year of high school. Actually started at St. Francis with Derek Moore in the, uh, in the DMV area. So, oh, you know, he, he kind of had some connection there and, you know, he's picked up a ton of offers, been very actively recruited. Uh, another independence guy. Um, you know, for those that remember the, uh, the last chance you series. So this is a guy that, um, Oklahoma likes. He's a four for three guy, so they got a lot of time to work with him. He's not a, you know, kind of rental guy, you know, kind of like, like Perry on, he, he's more like Isaiah Coe than Perry on Winfrey, where they really have some time to let him adapt, get into the program and kind of, you know, feel his way through things. So I, I do, I, I think this is a guy, I don't know if right now he is a automatic take, but just looking at the way I expect things to play out, if he wants to go to Oklahoma, which we'll have to see, but he's coming in this weekend unofficially, I'm going to bet OU brings him back in for an official. You've got to think OU's in good, a good spot if that all plays out. If he wants to go to Oklahoma, I bet you OU finds a spot for him. Is there any reason for concern there? Just the way that the JUCO thing has kind of treated Oklahoma here currently at the defensive line position? Uh, you know, you know, Juco's God, it's it's such a crapshoot because I've seen, you just never you know, know I'd love nope. yeah you know I'd love to be like oh you know I've had a great insight man I I thought Perrin Winfrey was going to be a monster and I mean the what's so funny is you know and we we can get into that but like he's probably, people he's are like how disappointing is he what guys he's gonna he, uh, people no people are saying like oh how disappointing is Perrin Winfrey guys he's gonna be one of OU's first interior defensive linemen in like a decade to probably end up in double, double digits tackle for loss. Like people sure. act like he's been terrible. He just hasn't sure. been what we thought he was going to be. Like he's been there a was, good there player. Was a, there, there was an idea in August that he was going to be a mm-hmm. top 15 first round, like mm-hmm. a, a, a Gerald yep. McCoy type guy. And I think that probably just speaks to, you know, in a way how special Gerald was. No, I think we all yeah. thought like this is, this is the best defensive lineman OU is going to have since Gerald McCoy. 100%. I, I, I thought it was him. I, I completely agree. Um, you know, and it, it is, um, you know, like I, I, in the board chat, it came up and I go, guys, I think we were all expecting all American and he's more like, you know, is he a first or second team all conference guy? Like he's a good player. There's uh, everybody in the league would love to have Perry on Winfrey. He's just not what everybody thought he was going to be. Well, he's also in a league with guys like Stills, who's just fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, oh, the they're, two dudes from West Virginia are monsters. Uh, the guy from Kansas State that's leading the league, but he's more of a defensive end, but just defensive mm-hmm. line. There are other guys that stand out. I mean, you know, Nick Benito gets a lot more attention than him. and Isaiah Thomas. I mean, yeah. you know, our guy. Isaiah's had a great year. So, But it's also, I mean, I, I don't know. That's a very, we're getting into football now, but that's a very frustrating thing that we haven't really talked a whole lot about is like, I, 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 
I wonder how much time they've spent really trying to give guys a chance because, like, we've seen flashes of Isaiah Coe. We've seen flashes of Corey Roberson. Uh, Robertson. Um, we've seen flashes from Jordan Kelly, but, like, they never let those guys play anymore. It's, it, it, I mean, even Josh Ellison, like, where'd he go? Leron Stokes, like, mm-hmm. like, what happened there? Like, just no one stepped up and made any plays or... You know, they just decided to move Isaiah back in the middle uh, because he was better than everybody else at the middle, but he's still, like, you should have... I think they have better players than that there. Yeah. I, I don't I that's don't disagree. The, that's it, the one thing on defense that's... And, like, I'm not trying to trash Tibbs or anything, but it's just, like, you rotate, and, and then everybody gets upset early in the season about rotating, and it's like you stop rotating. Yeah, they, they had uh, 21 guys play defense Saturday. 18 played more than 10 snaps. So that rotation has shrunk considerably. Surely not at safety, though, right? They're rotating there. <laughs> no, they're not. I did look at the snap counts. and yeah, That's a, that's a trigger and, warning, Eddie. Fields that's a trigger warning. DTY both <laughs> had the most snaps. Well, Fields, Turner Yell, and Broyles, and Broyles didn't, come, yeah. didn't come off the field. Broyles was with them, yeah. Hey, one of those I got no problem with. Before we get into the shit show that Look, was, the, the, do, I is mean, there the, anything from the recruiting side um, that we want to follow up on? Or are they uh, all just I, waiting for Lincoln Riley to go to LSU? <laughs> there are... Okay, we're, we're going to tease something. I haven't even put part of this on the board oh, yet. Oh, God. You guys are going to talk basketball in a little bit. I got time to type. It's fine. <laughs> we're going to be all right here. Uh... No, um, they'll have two two official visitors this weekend. From what I've told, literally got this right as Pod was starting. One is Javante Barnes, uh, the big time Rivals two fifty running back out of uh, Las Vegas. Uh, kind of a guy that everybody's been waiting to take this visit. I think it's big for Oklahoma um, getting one of the last shots at him. I, I think this is this is pretty much on the plan that I had heard from the summer when you started to really hear positive vibes about him in Oklahoma. So I, I think things are going to plan to this point. And he has already officially visited Alabama, so, you know, you guys can kind of unclench a little bit if, it, you know, the people listening out there. Uh, the other, I'm not ready to put it out there yet. I'm just going to put it that way. It's big, <laughs> it's interesting, hmm. and it's a name no one's mentioned with OU maybe ever. Like, it's, it, it, but it's a... It's a guy that has connections. It's it's a it's a really interesting one. I will get it on the board shortly, uh, but I do not want to drop it in the pod um, before. That's delicious. It's, yeah, it's 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 it was it's a name I have checked around about, kind of thinking, oh, this might happen sooner or later, and it, it was clear there was interest, but I didn't know how far that went, and it's now gone this far. Like it's that's that it, it would be a big land for OU if, if they could pull it off. Hmm. Fair so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh no, I don't think OU is going to be no. involved in a lot of races. That A and M and Georgia are the two finalists. I, you know, just read into that however you need to. But that that's not going to happen very often. So, um, but yeah. So you know, sign up for SoonerScoop.com. You can hear all about that. Yes, please do. Uh, While you're wearing your new hats of the soon-to-be future coming. Yes. And other assorted what, what, 
things. Yeah. What else do you want me to whore? I'm I'm here, man. I'm ready. Dead Soxy. How, oh how yeah, your dead Soxy. How you? Oh, I'm wear I'm wearing two pairs right now just because they're so comfortable. I wear I double up. That's not necessary, Josh. I don't know how the silicone beads fit over each other like that. I don't even know if that's. I don't. I'm not telling possible. you it's easy to get them on that way, but it is more comfortable. Uh, okay, so by the way, uh, there's a huge. This is this is the the promo of all promos from Dead Soxies coming up this weekend. Uh, you guys remember the big big uh, promo from last year? The yeah. The score, oh, um, the score sale was mm-hmm. percentage. So uh, they're bringing back the score sale for this week's game with Iowa State. Uh, at the conclusion of Saturday's game, however many points the Sooners have scored, Dead Soxy will match that number as a percentage discount up to a max of sixty percent off. If the Sooners put forty on the board against Iowa State, you'll get a promo code for forty percent off. Fifty points, no problem. Fifty percent off. Do we think they'll do that against Iowa State? Probably not. They put up 40 against Iowa State. I think everybody's going to be dead because they're going to be in shock. Uh, score cell will run from Texas, the conclusion. Hey, live read, Bob. Come on. Uh, score cell <laughs> will run from the conclusion of the game until midnight on Monday, November 22nd, uh, so that you can load up on your favorite uh, sock- stocking stuffers. Uh, and score this incredible, hopefully, hopefully incredible offer. Visit deadsoxy.com. Use the promo code SCOREsooners at checkout to receive the score sale percentage off all orders. Uh, and as always, stay soxy. So we didn't think that they'd score a lot against OSU last year, and they did. Maybe the score sale from Dead Soxy is the tradition that OU needs for big games from here on out. We'll find out. They might have to go back-to-back weeks if they do put up 40 against Iowa State. Of putting up 40? Yeah. Well, I I don't know how many points OU can score on OSU. How many points can OSU score on OU, though? 24? I, I mean, yeah. I, 35, I, I, 40? No. People if they just crazy. run the ball down, down their throat, they'll wear them out eventually yes if the offense cannot produce more than three and outs you're you're right about that it would get ugly late well i thought in bob i saw you retweeted this i don't don't think you can be physical enough with anybody there you go remember ou's not coming off a bye either of these two weeks i mean don't get negative is that not amazing that's a crazy stat it's crazy if it's hard to correlate, so I didn't ask it because there's like one, you know, sep- that was September, then one's in October, and one. Was, uh, but it it is fascinating. I just wonder what the hell's going on. Like it just there's a lot of stuff that's coming out of Norman right now that I just don't know how to make sense of. Okay, what? I'm sorry, I got a stupid text. What are you guys talking about? We're talking about the fact that just the. A lot of the losses for Lincoln Riley have occurred with at least more than a week of prep of uh, oh, preparation, yeah. mm-hmm. Six of either the nine. playoff or uh, bye week. Three in the playoffs, three coming off byes. Uh, Iowa State, 2017, 2020, Kansas State last weekend, and then the other three of the college football playoffs, and then there's three other losses out there. It just doesn't really make sense. Like you said, there's a lot of things coming out of Norman that doesn't make sense. Like, sure. Where, where do we want to start? Why am I still getting texts about is Lincoln leaving? Like today, 
from Friends. Oh, God, I just like I I don't know that anything it, has ever. And is this just the world that we're in now, where everything becomes bigger? Like every rumor becomes bigger than it's ever been? Because I feel like it's like we do this all the time, and we did this yesterday. We did this yesterday morning. It was like you guys were like. Okay, we don't really think anything is is going on, but should we check? Because there's so much noise out there about this. Should we check? And so I was like, fine, I'll check. And so I started calling people, and everyone's telling me the same thing. Like, no, none of this is true. It's just like with the plane thing. It's like the plane guy. I mean, it's like him tweeting at us. Hey, we're coming to Norman from Baton Rouge. It's not the AD. Like, because he knows his plane flying back and forth is going to cause a national incident. In college football. Is it fair to say that the only places that there is quote-unquote smoke about Lincoln Riley and LSU is within about a 40-mile radius of Baton Rouge? Yes. Yeah, there's an arrogance that they just, if they want him, they're going to get him. And people will throw anything out there that they want, like, oh, LSU's willing to pay $15 a year. No, they're f***ing not. All right, nobody's paying $15 million a year for a college coach because nobody's come close to doing that. Nick Saban makes, what, 11, 12? Yeah, they're going to go 25% over what Bama's willing to pay Nick Saban. That's okay. a fucking joke. Stop it with that shit. And that that's a school that has had money problems, like very real ones in the not-so-distant past. So I don't see them getting crazy with that kind of stuff. Like, here's it the, here's the perfect text. Lincoln leaving me? No, that's all I said. What's going on then? <laughs> People, People won't like stop starting rumors. Yes, Carrie, forget that part of it. Forget if you you know like if if you want to believe the LSU crap, fine, whatever. the The part I can't get to. Do you really think Oklahoma's going to let Lincoln Riley leave for pay? Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that. I don't see a situation where Josie and company are not going to find the money to pay him whatever anybody else is going to pay him. If they come up with 15 million, cool, he's gone. Yeah, that's not happening. That's not <laughs> realistic. The two people that have been most lockstep the entire way just all of a sudden now have a rift between them. and They don't talk anymore. That's that's the way that you would have to speculate for this LSU thing to be a reality almost. Well, it's just like a perfect storm. You get the bye week, and Alex Grinch is interviewing at Tech, and then Riley's sure. missing his Tuesday presser. And then so Tom Luganbill is throwing shit out there. Dots. Yeah, Tom Luganbill's throwing shit out there that's not true. Just because he wanted some attention. I don't know. Josh, you can speak on that if you want. Uh, yeah, it was no, funny you, how quickly he backstepped on all of that yes. when he was actually pressed on it. Do you guys need the literature to the fan club? Or, I mean, how, how do you want me to send that to you? <laughs> the I hate Tom, Tom Luganville's a fing idiot, and he always has been. I, I watched that guy talk about recruits that he would, that he would talk about like he knew them so well, and he'd show up to a damn camp that ESPN ran, a Nike camp, spend about 30 minutes there, and then he'd leave. And then you'd hear him talk about it afterwards, like he saw the whole thing and was very familiar with all the players. And you're like, you're, you're not. Boom. Roasted. I, that, that stuff, I mean, God, guys, we know at least one other person well, you who know, loves to do that. You know that's expressly why I hated uh, Tom Lemming yes. earlier in my career. It's because he did the yep. same damn thing. 
and then he would go on the damn blind side and pretend like he like Nick Saban. Oh. We gotta get Nick Saban his tape. He oh. hates it when we're late. I guarantee you, he made that. If you want me to be part of the show and that that I watched his tape, that you have to make it sound like they're all waiting for me to get the tape out to everybody. <laughs> yes, Nick Saban needed Tom Lemming to show him talent. That that's what Nick Saban needed. Jesus Christ! Like that. Go get some I more mean, plastic surgery, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> Lemming. Lemming's a far bigger joke than than Luganville. I I don't want to bury Luganville that harshly that that's not fair um why not just but why it, not just get max m finger to run a camp oh god i, I guarantee it, eddie all, and bob don't even know who max no M-finger. hell no i, I feel don't. like i've heard legends nope. of him i heard you guys talk you about guys him before, but i don't know who <laughs> that is nope yeah. no clue he, 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 he made Wes welker he made Wes welker oh god mm-hmm what these guys always have some dude they latch on to like i i made it possible you know like made you know, <laughs> no you did not jesus christ and the, the or thing would be like me and gerald mccoy like gerald would say stuff and i'm like i didn't do anything you were six six and can fly around the field dude like it's i need to be like fired if i can't realize you're really talented like that stop that that just blows me away when people try to be like, I found him. You didn't find anything. Like, stop. Stop that shit. If you ever want to know how to trigger Josh at a party, this is exactly how you do oh, it. Oh, God. <laughs> just, just like... Just wait till they have some whiskey in him, too. Just oh, wait till they have some whiskey and say, Josh, man, you're you're so good. You're almost as good as Max Aimfinger was back in the day. Oh, my God. Uh, Which, by the way, I think he started a like a Christian-based recruiting service or something at some point. That rings a bell somewhere. Yeah, there was something with that. I can't remember what that story was. Um, you know, after USA Today woke up and let him and Danny Sheridan go. <laughs> Danny, Sh- wow, there's a name I haven't thought of in a long time. We're so old. Isn't that the guy that does like a power pole? He's still like Paul Feinbaum has him on all the time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. In very small nooks and crannies of the Southeast, he's still important. <laughs> he was Probably. like, he was like before, yeah. before gambling went mainstream, like he was like Mr. Vegas, Mr. Line, Mr. Yeah. Like there were tout guys all over the place back in the day. Like when you're a kid, Eddie, you probably remember mm-hmm. uh, the you consensus, call in, like the uh, the, the numbers, consensus right? 900 guy that would come on the sports animal all the time. Mm-hmm. God, what was his name? He's from Alabama. Somebody will tell us in the, in the uh, thread, the pod thread. Uh, no, but like that's what Danny Sheridan's claim to fame was: is like he was the you know tout guy, and he was terrible. So, honestly, we've triggered Josh so much. I don't even know how we get back on track. Talk basketball. I'm ready. <laughs> well, I, at the end of the day, I don't think that there's anything to the LSU Lincoln Riley stuff. And I would have to, I, and I would still be completely floored. I would be more surprised. I told the, the guys from Baton Rouge this last week. I would be more surprised if Lincoln Riley ended up in Baton Rouge than I was when I found out that Bob was retiring. That's how shocked I would be, and I was pretty damn shocked. I don't. Know I was amazed that the, tw- the tweet, you know, basically paraphrasing what Lincoln said when he was asked, how half the responses are like, "Yeah, he's definitely gone. He didn't deny it. 
It's like you just believe what you want to believe if that's what you see. Well, there's a segment of those people, and then there's also a segment of the people that we can kind of lead into the Baylor stuff. It's like, good, get him out of here. His act has grown tired. Which uh, again is it's kind of funny that all of this is coming, and I know that like I'm I'm clearly not happy with uh, you know kind of the state of the program right now. But you also got to remember they are nine and one and coming off of a 17 game winning streak, and have won. But then what? again, you could argue that's why they're in the position that they're in too. I is I see both that, sides. Is it just that everybody's super mean after the last couple of years? Like, it, it, like the I blocked more people after that Baylor loss than I have in a very long time because it was just out, there was so much that was out of bounds. There was like some dude like you just couldn't even make. A, I made a comment about. Uh, Oh, the ref's probably going to call both teams off the bus to assess that 15-yard penalty and have them re-kick. And, like, people were so mad at me. Like, I was just... I missed that one. It wasn't a great joke. I mean, I I admit that, but uh, it was just, like, the the vitriol. There was some guy that was like, well, you're 45 years old and you act like a teenager. You're an idiot. I'm just like, and you have no family. And I'm just like, wow, like, where is this coming from? (laughs) Did they did they just come back for that second response? Like they were like, I'm not happy enough, and you don't have a family. People are just angry. I mean, they, I think they that really there are. was such a buildup for the season that people they they they're they're not getting what they were expecting to get. And you know, I kind of include myself into it. I bought my bought into a lot of the hype around the defense and to look up. And I think it probably doesn't help the fact that you look up 90 miles to the north of here, and they're the number three defense in the country. I th- you know I I think it's kind of a, a sports jealousy thing. I don't I I completely get where some people are coming from, and I think it evokes some anger, and they want to be able to blame it on somebody. And Alex Grinch, Lincoln Riley are very very easy targets. Do I think that those two are probably holding up their end of the bargain? I think that you know that's probably another conversation that you could have. I I think a lot of what we saw Dan in Waco probably falls at the feet of a Lincoln Riley. I think well, also, I, mean, were, I think people were waiting for that because they just didn't like what they were seeing this year. Uh, and it was kind of that thing like, we tried to tell you that you weren't playing very well, but you kept coming into press conferences, everything, and telling us how you were close. And yeah. we kept telling you, you're not close because look what Georgia does every week. You're not doing that. And they finally what? were proven right. And then they could yell at everyone uh, who, who didn't pay attention to them that said, things don't look right. You need to fix it. And it reinforces an idea, too, that there are bigger problems within the university or within the program. And it does like you turn on the tape and I think everybody's seen the uh, the third and 12 play in which Baylor moves the pile. It's like that's hard to justify. Oh, it's hard so to watch bad. that and justify what's going on. And particularly then you get into the particulars of the play and the guys that are standing around. It's like, how the hell are they still are those guys still on the football field uh, is this a soft program? It It's very easy to justify some of the things that are out there when you see what you saw on Saturday. Well, see, because you came into the month, like, no more excuses. They got all yep. the guys back. They're ranked number eight back-to-back weeks. They've been, they've been giving their own little jabs on social media about being ranked eighth. Okay, so now they're going to come out in Waco, and they're going to show what they're all about. And then, obviously, they do the opposite. And then you're like... Where's the pride? Where's, you know, the preparation? Like, what in the world is their mentality if they're saying all these things in the last two weeks? And then that's to perform their first performance they have since that moment. What was it? Uh, Oh, yeah. It was, you know, 
you were talking about, uh, or I saw stuff out there. Bob, you were kind of listing the super seniors and who could not come back without a doubt. Uh, and it made me think about the ridiculousness of this year and the way it's played out. Like, we were sitting at the bowl game asking Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson, like, would you consider coming back to make a national championship run? Because that's what everyone... I mean, from the moment that Florida game ended, Oklahoma was a favorite to win the national championship. And you think of where this team is now versus the expectations coming off of that bowl game against Florida, the Cotton Bowl. It's almost comical to think about it now. It's harder for me to find a way to argue that they're going to win the next two games than it is to argue against the idea that they could lose the next two games. It's kind of pathetic that it's become that. That's always the way it is after a loss, though. But still, this one—I don't it know. Feels they're, different. They're playing, we, two, doesn't it? yeah, because they're playing two really good teams and sure. two really good defenses. I mean, yeah, K- you haven't seen the signs of them getting better with each game to where they're peaking in November. You know, almost. But like you know what? Championship you, November light bulb turns on. It, it just that that's not that's not how it works. But you know what, Bob? As much as we talked about, you know, the third and twelve and stuff. The offense was just atrocious. Like it was, it was yep. non-existent. Like we've never seen that happen before in a season where the offense just starts disappearing at the end. Even last year, I mean, Spencer Rattler has proven that you know with this offensive line, he can't be that effective of a quarterback. Kayla Williams can be, but they got better last year with Spencer Rattler. Like they were a really good team last year. I mean, this team could yeah, not think- beat the Iowa State team that OU beat last year in the Big 12 championship? They couldn't. No. Mm -mm. Although Iowa State is in the same boat. They had all the expectations of the world after how they ended their season. And now they're what? Talking about being the best version of themselves uh, right now, Eddie? That is such a stupid comment that he made. We can get into that here in a second. Matt Campbell, what are you doing, bud? The, the the thing about the offense, too, is that I just can't get over is the fact that it doesn't feel like like there are so many problems, it feels like, whether it be quarterback. And we knew this was going to happen. I feel like we spent multiple podcasts talking about Caleb Williams is going to have hiccups. He's a freshman. He's starting his fourth game of his career. Like, how does he handle that? What happens? And it was almost like that was the worst that could happen was him throwing those two interceptions in the fashions that he did, like. I, and Riley brought it up in his press conference on Tuesday. It's just like before the second interception, OU had start had seemingly started to move the ball, even though they missed the field goal by Burkish before halftime. They had forced the turnover there. It seemed like that was like the the breath of fresh air that they needed, and then he turns it right back over. Yeah, they had opportunities that they just squandered. It was just so weird. Like I remember thinking, like, okay, they're they're starting to move the ball, like. And they were starting to run the ball. Like to, as embarrassing right. as that initial series was, and how the the offensive line just got shoved back in their faces. Like they actually started to establish a line of scrimmage and started to run the ball, and then Lincoln just quit calling yeah. run plays. Well, until the you know, I, I told you guys during the postgame pod, it's like I'm walking down to the other end at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and you know, Lincoln brings the whole entire team together, and it feels like. It, it had that kind of that OU Texas feel like, okay, they're going to get this together. They're going to find a way to get out of here with a win. 
And then literally six uh, real-time minutes later, uh, they bust the 75-yarder, and and it it was like a 180. It was like the entire game had flipped. You're not coming back from a 17-7 deficit. Yeah, it was 41-30 against Texas, and it was a totally different vibe compared to 10-7 against Baylor. That's just how that that game felt. Sure. Well, and I mean, like, it is also... We talked about this in the post game. Um, you know, the offensive line, like they weren't great last year either until Ramondre Stevenson came back. And they had Creed Humphrey. I mean, it's just they gotta figure it out. They've gotta find an identity, a physical identity on the offensive line because they haven't done that. It doesn't seem like there's any major changes coming either. And the worrisome thing about that too is is like, it felt like Jaden Hazelwood was starting to put things together. Outside of the big fourth quarter catch when the game was kind of over, it's like, where it was, was he? Where, where are any of the playmakers on the offensive side of the football? Well, they kept chunking it up, trying to get the, that 50-50 ball down, down the field, and that's not going to be Jaden's ball. That was Trayvon West, Marvin Mims, Mike Wood. Like, they kept you know going through it. And something Lincoln said, too. They dropped some early balls, not like yeah. huge drops, sure. but things like, hmm, that, he usually comes down with that. And the frustration for Caleb might have started to set in there, too. There's no doubt about that. And it seemed like he missed some stuff underneath. Like, did it not feel like he was just holding on to the ball for like an incredible yeah. amount yeah. of time yep. during yeah. the entire game? Yes. I don't know. Josh, can this thing be fixed? Talk me into thinking this thing can be fixed. <laughs> uh,. I think, I mean, God damn it. I, oh, man. <laughs> I didn't like the pause. No, we weren't I, even talking basketball yet, Josh. Come on now. It, it's, not, it's not an easy fix. Um, I, now, I will say, and it's something, you know, I know uh, that Gabe has talked about a lot. They've got to stop. The, the, when, they, when they have run the ball well this year, they've worked zone concepts almost exclusively. Now, they, they've had moments where the counter worked. And I don't think – I think people like making that like, oh, they just couldn't run against Baylor. I thought they just gave up on it. I thought there was they some did. stuff there. Absolutely. Um, I think they've got to get to where Caleb Williams is coming down and checking down at times. Um, there's too much boom or bust in the passing game. These are things that can be done. It's, it's, uh, Maybe I don't, throw to Eric Gray out of the backfield yes. a little bit more. I mean, that kind of stuff. Work, you know – Fine. It's okay for if Drake Soups gets seven or eight yards across the middle or Austin Stogner or whoever else. Like, I'm not one that thinks, oh, this was, yeah, the whole season's loss. Like, I, I don't, I don't buy that. It's not a talented yet, it's team, not, but it could be. Oh, you go out and drop one to Iowa, oh, Iowa State that is clearly not the team we all thought we were going to see. Guys, I'm not even doing it under, under the hood for Iowa State. They're not ranked. Like, there's no reason for me. To, uh, that's always been my policy. <laughs> Is it's wild. Like, they, they, I mean, God. the committee, though, they should be right. Well, they lost a tech, so no. Okay. They're six and yeah. four. They should not be. Yeah. I, I mean, I, they're, they're, I keep forgetting that good. tech loss. Like, it's just like it never happened. Those are the, you know, yeah. I, no. the, those yeah. are games. If you want to be a contender, you can't lose those games. But they I beat mean, Oklahoma that, State. They, yep. <laughs> Yep, I mean, there. I'm. Don't get me wrong. On, but that's kind of what I'm saying about OU. On the wrong day, OU can look awful, and on the right day, they can look pretty damn good. I mean, we we forget that 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 same team that we're talking about beat Iowa State 
They destroyed them. Oh, yeah. oh, you just ran through them, just yeah. just like they weren't even there. So I I I think there's something to be said for Dave Aranda is really really good. Threw some stuff at Caleb Williams that he had not seen before, and oh, you didn't adapt very well. And this week, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's going the next two weeks. He's going against really good DCs as well. So that, that it's not like that stuff's going to stop. But they can sit, you know. Okay, this is what we're doing here. This is how this is how a quarterback grows. Like this is what you do. There's going to be hiccups like this. I I said it, you know, in the post game. Like I'm shocked that we're just now getting to this point where, oh, hey, Caleb Williams isn't perfect. Like he's got stuff to learn. It was it was all so easy for him for a while there that I think everybody forgot. Like he's a freshman that wasn't taking the bulk of the snaps. This was never expected to be his year. And he's just kind of been thrown out there, and they've had to simplify some things and do some different stuff. So it, it I, I think it can be fine. I think Oklahoma wins this weekend. And then I'll see about Oklahoma State. I People forget how many times Oklahoma State's been, oh, they're rolling now. They're rolling into Bedlam. Look out. And then Mike Gundy finds a way just to crap down his leg, just makes one awful decision after another. We can get there when we get there next week. Yeah. But it just seems like yeah. This, yeah I want to see mean, him beat Iowa State before the, well, I start talking about Bedlam. Yeah, sure. And I think from the other side of it too, it's like I, I guess for in a, in, a, in a certain way, Oklahoma State has to get through Tech. But it just feels like I mean, I thought Kata McFarland, the thing that he tweeted about the age of some of the Oklahoma State players, that's almost incredible. That's almost BYU. Yeah, they're very Mormonish. As far as like yeah. the, they are grown ass men. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So I do think that they're able to handle it a certain type of way. Uh, it, but I, I guess getting back to Caleb Williams, the scary thing is, like, Baylor was kind of supposed to be the precursor for what was to come in playing the two top five uh, or two of the five top defenses in the country. Now, Iowa State's limping in after giving up 41 a week ago. But at the same time, it's almost kind of scary knowing what is to come and just kind of the unknown about what Oklahoma is offensively going into the 11th game of the year. What we do know is that, you know, Tech had their quarter, their backup quarterback that came in for Columbia and just tore up Iowa State. Look, Caleb Williams is capable of extraordinary things. Like, he's capable of dicing up any defense. It's just, is he going to be that guy on Saturday? Well, he just... He, he missed some things. And we, I mean, we talked about it. Bob noted it in the top five plays. Like, he probably makes that throw to Austin Stogner, I don't know, seven times out of ten. And it just happened to be the one that he didn't. Well, and it was so weird he came back into the game and then made that throw to Jaden Hazelwood. Yeah, it was a great throw. Yep. It was a great throw. Which? It was a great play. Was it all the more maddening that that third and 12 happened? As the resident soccer fan, man, they use that magic spray. They got that magic spray finally across the Atlantic <laughs> that they just spray on those guys every time they go down, and it's just magically better. Except that he really did have his hands Let's <laughs> Those soccer players are mortally wounded when they get sprayed, okay? Let's not... If, Let's not play the soft soccer card. If a card, soccer okay? player <laughs> had his hand stepped on and cleats went into it, he would have to have it amputated on the field. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, okay, we're going to play the non-fake injury role. I mean, you, you want to talk about your son and what he's up to in NFL games? And there was a fork, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> 
a fork. <laughs> Nobody can prepare for that. Uh, okay, we're approaching Zoom times. Uh, Josh, I'm sorry. See you guys. Well, we won't go 15 minutes of basketball. Though. No, but we need to hit on it before uh, give sure, you some time. Sure. Give you a little buffer yep. before you have to get out of here. Which we all do, but... Love you, Bob. I'll miss you, Bob. See you around, buddy. So far, OU's best performance is Go put is on when... the board who's visiting. That's literally what's happening. <laughs> By the way, I don't, I mean, I don't know how you feel. The, 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 the best game that they've played all year so far was the one that you didn't go to because you were covering the TCU this game. This is true. This is true. But, yeah, I mean, uh, they start off the Myrtle, the Myrtle Beach. That'll be tomorrow at 6 against East Carolina. Not a murderer's row of a tournament. I mean, solid field. Not like the one they're Not in next that, year. Right, exactly. You know, it's, uh, if they could get this one, that'd be a heck of a shot in the arm for the first season. I'm intrigued to see the conditioning because that's something, obviously, Porter Moser preaches like crazy. Does it show up on a weekend like this where you still look as fresh Thursday as you do come Sunday? Like, are they able to translate what they've been working so hard for the first two months of practice to show up this weekend with a team that's deep and able to, you know, play three games in four days and be just fine this early in the year. Well, I think that's the thing, you know, watching this team uh, through just a few games here, Bob, that, I mean, it's a team that plays defense very hard, uh, but they also want to get out and run and use that defense to create transition opportunities. Like, they need a lot of bodies to play this style. Yeah, and that's why I asked uh, Porter flat out. I was like, Are, do you have a redshirt policy? What's it going to be for this season? And he said in the past, he's designated people, redshirt, not this year. All 13 guys are going to play as long as they can and as long as they've earned the right to do just that. And the defense creating the offense is obviously going to be key for this team. Love C.J. Nolan did in little spurts there Friday because I think – you know, you start to feel confident Jordan Goldwire is going to run the team. Tanner Groves is going to be like 17, 8, you know, 17 points, 8 rebounds. That's going to sound like pretty consistent. So where do some of the other parts come from? Is Harkless one day, Mo Gibson one day, Nolan the next. Who are going to be the guys that you can consistently rely on to be that third or fourth guy that's really going to make this team give it the type of you know production it's going to need to be competitive when the Big 12 season gets you. Edward, any basketball thoughts on what you've seen so far? Yeah, am I the only person hearing like, okay, it stopped. Good. For like the last three to four minutes, never mind. I was getting something in my headphones that I just did not know what was going on. You would think, though, that uh, they could get to Sunday. I mean, I... I wouldn't think that OU should have trouble in their first two games here uh, or in Myrtle Beach. I mean, uh, it should like this is the portion of the season, and we kind of talked about it at the beginning of the season that they need to rack up as many wins as possible uh, because once you get to the bottom end of the non-conference slate, especially when you get into like Florida or Arkansas or even Hell Butler, like I I don't know what those teams are bringing, but obviously the Big Twelve is going to be really good. Texas looked extremely good on Saturday night against Gonzaga. Uh, Kansas obviously going to be extremely good, you know, from the preliminary, uh, results from some of the big 12 play, it looks like, you know, the big 12 is still going to be one of the better conferences in the country. Uh, has there been any surprises to you, I guess, through the first two games, Bob, 
Uh, Tanner Groves coming off of a you know newcomer of the week. I guess that shouldn't be as much of a surprise, even though he struggled struggled a little bit in the first exhibition game. Um, has there has there been anything that kind of jumped off the page to you that you you weren't really expecting? I think for me it's been uh, probably the play of CJ Noland. I think they're they're going to lean on him a little bit more than I was thinking going into the season. Yeah, I, I I think I'll stay with the freshman too, and Alston Mason. I had pegged him. He's like, yeah, that guy's way too little. There's no way they're gonna play him this season. He's got to get in the weight room, add ten pounds, and he'll be ready next year. But when you see how fast he is and how fearless he's been so far, just driving to the hold, you're like, if that confidence stays that way, just let him do that because he has another gear that. Even guys like Mo Gibson really, you know, I don't think they have. So let Mason kind of do that. He'll have some freshman ups and downs, as will CJ. But you, you like, you're starting to think about that 2021 class. Like that maybe is going to be a little bit better from the outset than I first thought. Like it won't have to be till they're sophomore and juniors when they make a difference. They can do it this year, and Porter Moser is clearly going to roll with whoever he can trust. And it sounds like through the first part, they're earning those minutes before the, you know, quote unquote garbage time minutes right now. That's guys like AK, like Marvin Johnson, like Rick, Rick, uh, uh, Rick Asanza that have to earn the right to be playing in meaningful competitive minutes where those freshmen have already, you know, shown that they can be counted on. And we'll see if that shows up on a weekend like this. Is that probably the biggest concern right now going in or, you know, through two games, I guess, is just what happens when they do play somebody with a big man inside. They're going to they're going to they're going to take some beatings in there, aren't they? They are. And can Tanner Grove still be an offensive threat if he has to go through that night in night out? I think, you know, I I don't know what it looked like at Eastern Washington. I can't imagine there were too too many guys where. You know, like back-to-back games, he had to go against a really big body and still do a lot of, you know, the bulk of the scoring. But, you know, that's going to be the case this season. So Asanza can't grow into it or Ethan Shagwa can't maybe adjust his position just a little bit. I like what Ethan's done here early, especially in terms of being a playmaker. I like what I've seen out of him, yeah. Yeah, more assist than I ever thought he would. But they're going to have to be physical and maybe that's the one check mark you're not sure if this team has it just just yet right now it look it looks like kind of like jacob groves is mr automatic from three i mean he looks like a guy that i'm sure he'll have an off night here or there but it looks like a guy that most nights you're going to be able to rely i mean emoji gibson's been really good so far too shooting the ball but i i, I would say between those two guys you're probably not going to have one night where just nobody can make one. Not a lot of those. Right. And then that was the scary part of the first half of the very first game. Right. I mean, that was sort of the worst case thing. It's like, man, these guys who were so on fire last week now can't make any shots at all. And they had to figure out how to produce with when they weren't making shots. And you know, they're going to, you know, there's one of those guys is going to have, you know, even if they're not on fire, like four for four, they're going to be like two for four from from three. Like they're going to keep defenses honest. There's no doubt about that. There's enough firepower in there. And there should be enough spacing and ball movement to where these shots are very makeable. You know, it shouldn't be stuck in the mud. You know, that's going to be one thing I'll be curious to watch this entire weekend 
is the ball movement as crisp as the spacing what it needs to be for all three games or do you start to get lazy do you start to get a little bit tired and then you start doing more one-on-one stuff instead of trying to run the offense Last best thing. time of the year. I, I I think it's the best time of the year with some of these uh, holiday tournaments and all that kind of stuff. I love afternoon basketball, even though he plays at six on Thursday. Last thing uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, is is Bijan Cortez. Is he pretty much just stuck as a guy that's going to come in late in games when it's out of hand at this point? But I mean, I've been impressed by what I've seen when he's when he's been in those scenarios. He had to overcome an ankle injury for a good couple, you know, two, three weeks during the stretch run of when you're really getting ready to, to, to play, you know, that wasn't in exhibition game at all. So even if he was good to go like August and September, you need, you know, you're not ramping it up just yet until you get to October. And that's when he had that injury to kind of set him back. You know, I loved what he did at Kingfisher. We know that we went through all the state tournament run with him and, Love his court vision and his and his confidence. I, I think between him and, and Mason, it feels like it's tough to fall back to true freshmen to be your backup point guards. But that's where OU looked. I don't see Mo Gibson playing a tweener role because I think you know Mo when he first got here thought he would play a little more point. He doesn't play. He plays zero point, and I don't think that's going to change. So it's going to be up to Bijan and Mason to sort of figure it out as to who's going to be that second primary guy. If anything were to happen to Jordan Gold uh, Goldwire, or if there's a game where he's in foul in in foul trouble and someone has to try to pick up the slack. Uh, anything from the uh, 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 Green Bean Casserole Committee that needs to get out there before? The, I mean, I know we got another unofficial forty before Thanksgiving is here, but. I don't think so. I think that uh, we're all kind of focused on just getting better every day and getting to the big day, and that's a you know a week from tomorrow. So uh, I did put it out there this morning. I think cranberry sauce is disgusting. Agreed. And I probably haven't yep. had a pie in about a decade. Now, are you anti-pie? This is where I come in. I'm not are anti-pie. You anti- <laughs> not anti-pie okay. at all. Okay. I mean, like, I you don't go to like, a barbecue joint that's got good pie or anything. Like, I love a good it pecan really, pie yeah, after Yeah, I just never really get – I don't get to the dessert meat. line very often, which is maybe one of the weirdest quirks about me because you would look at me and you would think I'd be a big pie guy. I'd be a big What is What is your Mount guy. Rushmore pie then? I don't even think I have a Mount Rushmore oh my because God. I don't think that I – I don't get to – I don't participate in the pie experience. I don't like many pies, but the ones I like, I really, yeah, really like. Yeah, I'm in the same way. I, I, I'd put the pecan on my Mount Rushmore, the pecan pie. 100%. Pecan's number one with a bullet for me. That's not even close. See, to me, I think that's fine. I'm fine with pumpkin pie being seasonal and oh. having a piece every once in a while. No, nope, pecan pie's gross. I'll die on that hill. Pumpkin pie, you mean? I'm sorry, yeah, pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is you the texture. You have me very confused there. Flavor, yeah, no, gross. no. <laughs> No, p- p- pecan pecan pie. I will I will die on that hill. Now, that's how, the how, greatest pie. Where does uh for you? Where does banana cream slash coconut cream land on the pie chart? <sighs> banana cream's okay. Coconut's okay too. I don't really like the texture of coconut all that much. Like I like the flavor of it. I, I'm a big texture guy, and I don't like the texture of coconut all that much. So that's that's kind of a no. I, I'm kind of like I like a cherry pie like that. I can get down with that. Mm, um, interesting, but I don't love 
like I said, I don't love most pies. Like I, I it's not really my jam. Like a, um, uh, like a French chocolate pie. Does that do anything for? Because that'd be on no. my Mount Rushmore. No, wouldn't do anything for. I and I, I don't know that I don't that I like it. I just don't think a, I've ever uh, had like it. Like a chocolate silk type pie. Yeah, that chocolate mm-hmm. silk, French chocolate, whatever you want to call it. Yep. I'm down with key all lime. So rich. I'll, I'll wreck a key I'm lime. A, I'm not a rich dessert guy. I think that's what it is. Okay. So what is like if you were gonna have more any like dessert, a, what would you key eat? Key lime pie just be a cheesecake, really? Like a cookie or a cigarette. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, now there there I don't know that I've ever met the cookie that I'm like, nope, not interested. I'll eat yeah, like, almost any cookie put in front of me. I love cookies. Like a chocolate chip cookie, M M&M M cookie. I think the yep. M M&M M cookie from City Bites is like I, for me, that is a elite cookie. Tiff Tiff Streets, I think, is the place down in mm-hmm. uh, yep. Dallas that they have, uh, and they actually have we are one in o- Oklahoma City over uh, right over here by the COVID compound. That's unbelievable. Uh, oh, what's the other? The place? McAllister's chocolate chip Insomniac cookies is, is up cookies there. is really good. I go with yeah, the McAllister's uh, chocolate chip cookie. Uh, also, have you had the? Like they have the snickerdoodles, the little mini ones that have like uh, frosting in the middle of them. I haven't had oh. them, but we've had this conversation before. I think McAllister's cookie is the most consistent, what I would call fast food cookie you can get. Yeah, because yeah. it's never really hard. Like it's always a little right. chewy. It's hard, That's but a it's du- a chewy cookie. Yeah. Hard Which is, is a deal like, breaker it, for me. You wouldn't think that it's going to be very good. Like when you grab a hold of it. But then when you take a bite, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, cookies are one thing. Like, I've the only cookie on earth I like that is not homemade is an Oreo. I will wreck Oreos. Like, that. that is a... Golden like, stuff? You, you like no, the golden I, stuff? I, you I, see, I'm, a, I'm not even a double stuff. I'm a purist, except for one. There's one exception. The carrot cake Oreo... Holy God, I can eat the hell out of those. Like that—that that is my one. But like, I don't think I don't know that I've ever even had a double stuff. See, Oreo. I would take I would take carrot cake over most pies. Yes, hundred. Carrot. Next time you come down here, you talking about going to barbecue joint? Come down. We'll have some new equipment. I'm sure to put in. I will take you to the world's greatest carrot cake. Mm, it is unbelievably good. <laughs> you know, Charleston's has an underrated carrot cake. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. Okay. Okay. Pro tip. So, yeah, I mean, but you're right. There's not a lot of pies that I don't even know if I can fill out a Mount Rushmore pies. I've got my three cherry, key lime and pecan. I I could never I would never think about any other pie that I I can't think of any. Yeah, I'm pretty much my dessert pie realm is pecan pie, chocolate pie mm-hmm. or carrot cake. Mm hmm. Yeah, if I, I mean, can include now, carrot cake, then yeah. Now you put like you know a Reese's Blast in there from Sonic, then we're talking. Because <laughs> that the, to me might be my favorite dessert uh, of all time. Uh, so the final uh, fallout from me going to the doctor and having that stuff in my legs, I had to go and do all the the heart checks and stuff. I had my final checkup yesterday. I, I'm fat. I'm fat. So I have to. <laughs> I have to stop being fat. So that is. That's what's happening here. So um, he's like, I don't want to, you know, I'm like, and like, he knows Tiffany and Tiffany's in there with me. And like, he's kind of like trying to be nice. I'm like, so you're telling me I got to lose weight. He's like, yeah, basically. I'm like, okay, cool. I got that. I can handle that. So yeah, this conversation is just nothing but pain to my world. Cause I'm basically eating chicken and root vegetables for the foreseeable future. That's all right. Eddie accidentally registered as a sex offender with the OSSAA. No, I did it. <laughs> 
I yes, you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> but I did it. Somehow I did you checked like, I was, yes. I laughed about it. I laughed about it to myself. And I go, of course I'm not a sex offender. Well, I was and worried I said, for no. a second because Van Shea sent me a screenshot. He was like, uh, Eddie registered as a sex offender. I can't print off his pass. <laughs> Oh and I was like, God. did something happen that I don't know about? And I, I was oh like, is this the God. last day that Eddie works here? Well, no, there are I, some. I, I, can, I can unequivocally say that I am not a sex offender. There are some real connections between Eddie and, like, Charlie Day's character and basically everything he's ever been in. But uh, in Horrible Bosses, when he has a, when he is a sex offender because he pees near a near a playground, that that I I could see that being Eddie. I want to like be a, a sexer, let alone be a sex offender. <laughs> I mean, literally, we were we had to sort this out while we were doing the pod. <laughs> I think we're all good, though. I got the email. We are uh, we're good on that front. Okay. Um, Do we lose Bob? Yeah, it's eleven yeah, forty-five. The, uh, okay. the Zooms have started, so uh, we're going to get to those. Uh, anything any, anyone wants to throw out there before we get out of here? There's nothing, like, final that I want to say. It's just, like, I did, like, last night was the first time that I actually got to sit down and watch a little bit of the uh, stupid-ass television show for the college football playoff. <laughs> it was bad. I don't under – like, I, I understand Gary Barta is just basically kind of a conduit for everything that happens in the committee room, and he's just the spokesman. But he sounds like an idiot when he says the stuff about putting the games aside. What are we even oh, yeah. doing? That was the worst. If we're not counting that, like he should have just stopped there. Like his lawyers should have been in the back. <laughs> Don't talk. To people. Don't say anything else because you just look stupid when you go on and on about these. Uh, the formulas and like, I don't know if you guys follow like the, the college football professor, the Adam McClintock and uh, David Bartu. It's like, it's very obvious that they use a formula to come up with these numbers. What is the committee even there for? Yeah, if there's a formula that you're using. Right. I've Although, screamed it over and over again. Why they won't use the BCS system to decide the playoffs is baffling to me. Because that then you know what the rules are. You know what the outline is. You gotta have strength of schedule. You gotta do that kind of crap. Like I I don't understand why those have to be two different ideas. To me, the thing that's dangerous about this is, um, well, maybe not dangerous, but it, it definitely, you know, OU had that system forever where they would play one premier non-conference opponent and it would always work out for them in the BCS. Uh, now they're going to the SEC, it doesn't matter, but a lot of teams like Oklahoma State are going to be screwed because they don't play any marquee you know, out of conference. Or they scheduled somebody marquee and they just ended up not being any good that year because they scheduled it 10 years ago. Uh, like Or their program. Like That's the problem here is you're, you're using all of these analytics and stuff, but it's not like these matchups could be made a year ago. Like these matchups are being made 10 years ago. So it's just a, it's a kind of a, it's a it's a little bit of a powder keg that hasn't blown up yet. Guys, one keynote. I mean, we need to prepare for this in the future. Uh as as we become SEC brethren. The lineup in the SEC this week includes Charleston Southern, Prairie View, yeah. Tennessee State, New Mexico week, yeah. State, South Alabama, and UL Monroe. Now there is Arkansas, Alabama. That, There's a, uh, are they? I mean, especially now, you add OU and Texas, two more 
well, I mean, what one and a half more college football teams? Um, you 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 would think. I mean, I I like what they do. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Oh, it, does, it gives yeah. them a breather instead. Like, why do you need those three games in the preseason? Like, man, d- d- like do what OU's done. Schedule one kind of just whoever, then have one decent opponent, then go play your schedule, and then have you know well. I would say normal. I guess this year it would have been coastal, uh, not coastal Carolina, Western Carolina. So you have that in November instead of you know September. Like I think it's good for your team. All right, uh, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, we got uh, interviews to get to that are ongoing right now. So uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, thanks. You- There's some really good games coming up over the next couple of weeks. I'm excited for the you know next two three weeks of college football. I think it's gonna be yes. really good. Thanks to uh, Eddie, who you just heard from right there. Thanks to Josh. Thanks to Bob, uh, who has already taken notes. Uh, And we'll see you guys back here again next week. Hopefully, uh, everyone much happier after an Iowa State win. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.